0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Corp, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, July 16, 2017, on the basis of Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Do you trust the media? It's not an uncommon question to hear these days, but when you really stop and think about it for us as Americans, it is a surprising question to ask. You see, from very little on, we are taught to believe that a media that can be trusted is a free media, a media that can say whatever it wants, a media that is free to deliver the truth. In contrast, we're taught to believe that the media that isn't to be trusted is a media that is under the control of the government, government that uses media as a propaganda wing, government that controls the flow of information that people are allowed. To receive. In fact, just to demonstrate that point, I wanted to show you a map this morning that showed all of the different countries of the world color-coded by how much the government controls the media in those countries. And I wanted to tell you some of the countries that are coded a dark shade of red where the government has the most control over the media. That list includes countries like Cuba, Libya, Egypt, Syria, Iran, China, North Korea. Do you see a common thread, point made? Yeah, we're taught to believe that a press, a media under the control of the government will inevitably be corrupt and one that is free won't. I think recent events have maybe led us to rethink that assumption a little bit, right? Is that a fair statement to make? When we really stop and think about it, we realize that neither system, neither a press that is completely free or a press completely under the control of the government can guarantee that the information you're receiving can be trusted. As obvious as it sounds, the only thing that can ensure that the information you're receiving can be trusted is if the people who are delivering that information to you can be trusted. And that's an important truth for us to consider this morning as we look at these words from Matthew and we are confronted with a difficult truth from Jesus. See, we're starting this new worship series today in which all of these mysteries of God are going to be unlocked for us, these heavenly secrets brought down to earth. And we start today with a claim from Jesus that sort of rubs our freedom-loving American ears in all the wrong ways. Jesus says, when it comes to revealing the truth about God, I am the only one who can do it. He says, when it comes to unlocking these heavenly secrets, I and I alone hold the key. And yet, rather than that being reason for us to object or stop paying attention, we're also going to see today why that is such a good thing. We're not only going to see from these words in Matthew that Jesus claims to be our only source for truth about God, we're also going to see Jesus demonstrate how he is our trusted source for truth about God. So here's this claim that Jesus makes. He says it this way, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the truth about God is like this highly classified information that only the Father and the Son know, and we could add from the rest of Scripture, the Holy Spirit knows it too. Only they know it. No one is going to figure it out. No one is going to be granted an exclusive tell-all interview with God. No one can hack in to their infinite minds and then post it on WikiLeaks for the whole world to see. No, Jesus says the only way that information about God, the truth about God, can be brought to the world is if Jesus himself brings it. Here's why that is such a good and beautiful thing. Jesus says, I praise you, Father of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, And have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. So Jesus is saying, here is how Jesus is going to bring the information about God to the world. Picture for a moment a series of... Shelves that start right at the very floor and then go all the way up to, say, 100 feet in the air. And how high a person can reach depends on how wise, how smart, how sophisticated and savvy they are. Jesus could take the truth about God and set it on the shelf that's nine feet above the ground. That would be a good start, right? But but that would also mean that only the smartest, only the wisest, only the savviest people in the world could, could reach up and grab it. Jesus could take the truth about God and set it at the shelf that's right at five feet in the air. That means just about every adult could reach it. Maybe some kids who've reached a certain age or have uh, achieved a certain level of sophistication, maybe, maybe they can reach it too. But again, some people would be left out. And so what Jesus does is he takes the truth about God, these heavenly secrets, and he puts it way down on the shelf that's right at the very floor which means that it's available and accessible to everyone. What it also means, however, is that to people who fancy themselves wise and savvy and sophisticated, sometimes that truth about God will appear to be, appear to be foolish. What it means is that in order to grasp that truth about God, those wise, sophisticated people don't need to stretch way up high the way they are so used to doing. It means they actually need to stoop down low. Grasping the truth about God doesn't require the hubris of thinking that you can figure it all out yourself. Rather, it requires the humility to realize that you can't. Here's why that matters to you and me. At some point, inevitably, without fail, the truth about God will appear foolish to you. It will contradict your natural instincts, your natural feelings, your natural suppositions about God. Put another way, at some point, God's word will offend each and every one of us. Maybe it's when God's word tells us to forgive that person, to let that grudge go, even when we're in the right, even when we've been legitimately and painfully wronged. Maybe it's when God's word tells us to generously, maybe even seemingly foolishly, spend our money in support of the spread of the gospel rather than following the ways of the world and just seeing how much stuff we can accumulate. Maybe it's when God's word tells us that our bodies are not our own to do whatever we want with them, but rather they are his temples. And how we dress and how we date, for example, is to bring glory and honor to him. At some point, God's word will offend you it's easy to think that that raises, should raise red flags for us or cause us to object. We might even be tempted to think, well, this is kind of what I think. This is kind of what God's think, God thinks. I, I don't know about you, but I think I'm probably right. I and mean, when you say it out loud, it sounds foolish, but so often that is what we do. Friends, when God's word offends us, it's not a strike against God's word. It's actually a credit to God. God's Word. It's God take, it's Jesus taking the truth about God and putting it down on that very bottom shelf. It requires us not, not to stretch and reach up high, but to stoop down. It requires us to set aside the hubris of thinking we know it all and instead embrace the humility that acknowledges we don't. And again, the, the beauty of all of this is that the truth about God is available to everyone. It means that when you tuck in your young child at night, you can be absolutely confident that he or she has it. It means that as life progresses and someone develops Alzheimer's and is sitting in some bed in some strange room that they don't even recognize and not even being able to remember their own name, it means they can be confident they haven't lost it. I praise you, Father, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned but have revealed them to little children. So let me give you an example. That's essentially what Jesus says next. He just gets finished saying that the truth about God is often going to appear foolish to our natural instincts, and then he says, let me give you an example. And the specific topic that he brings up is this topic of rest. How can a person live life, how can a person have a relationship with God that is completely free of any and all burdens? completely at peace, completely at ease, absolutely nothing weighing them down. How does a person find rest? Well, the good old-fashioned way of finding rest is to take whatever obligation someone might put on us, including the obligations God puts on us, and simply fulfill them, simply obey them. So we pray, and we worship, and we fast, and we sacrifice, and whatever our religious system might be. We look at all of the different things that God tells us to do and we start checking them off one by one until we're finally done and then the burden will be lifted. If That doesn't sound like very much fun to you. The good news is that modern man has declared that way of pursuing rest to be old-fashioned, obsolete, and outdated. And so now the way that we pursue rest is we take all of those burdens, we take all of those obligations, and we simply declare ourselves to be free from them. We say, no one has the right to lay any sort of obligation or duty on me. There is no such thing as moral and absolute truth. Your job is to simply be who you are, do what makes you feel good, be exactly as you want to be without letting anybody else say otherwise. Those are really the two approaches and the two pursuits of rest that conventional human wisdom offers us. And I'm guessing that if you're anything like me, you can look at times in your life, maybe even entire periods of your life, where you have tried both of those. And if you have, then you have no doubt found out that neither one of them works. If having rest means fulfilling all of the obligations that God puts on us, we will never have it. Instead, we'll be like Paul in that reading you heard, constantly pulling out our hair, frustrated over the fact that we can't do what we desire to do. On the other hand, if we think that we can simply declare ourselves to be free from those burdens, that we don't need God's approval, and instead we're going to pursue approval and purpose and identity in life in some other way, then we're just going to end up being burdened by whatever that other thing is, whether it's our career or our wealth or our looks or our popularity. And so now Jesus comes along and he says, I am the keeper of the key. I'm the one who can tell you the truth about God. Which of those two paths do you think he's going to point you down? Neither one. On the one hand, he says, yes, there is such a thing as moral, divine obligation. You simply can't declare yourself free from God's obligations. Rather, true rest can only be found as your life is brought in harmony with what God designed you to be. But then in the very next breath, he says that the real responsibility for achieving that, the real burden for carrying that out is not one that is placed on your shoulders, but rather one that is carried by him. Yes, God does expect our lives to conform perfectly with each and every one of his holy commands. But fulfilling those commands, fulfilling that law, it's already been done by Jesus. Yes, when our lives contradict God's holy commands, that's called sin. And if we have sin, that means we're guilty. And if we're guilty, that means we deserve a sentence of death and hell. And yet, That sin has already been paid for. That guilt has been removed and that sentence has been lifted by Jesus. Yes, it is true that the only way you will find rest is if you know with absolute certainty that you have God's unconditional love and his complete approval. And yet that love and that approval have been completely and eternally secured by Jesus. Pursue your own way to rest and you will only end up more burdened than you ever thought possible in the first place. But come to me, Jesus says. Humble yourself, submit, take on your shoulders the burden that I have prepared for you, and you will find rest. Because my burden, Jesus says, is really no burden at all. My yoke is easy. My burden is light a burden that gives rest. From a certain standpoint, you could say that that makes no sense at all. But the good news is, that standpoint, our natural instincts about God can't be trusted. And even better news than that is that Jesus, the keeper of the key, the source of all truth about God, he surely can. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.